Welcome back to the Afros and Knives podcast, an interview series that elevates the profiles and stories of Black women working in food and beverage, hospitality, food justice, food science, and food media. I am your host, Tiffany Rozier, and this week's episode is a conversation with the host of the Love and Vines podcast and co-founder of the Love and Vines brand, Sakari Bowman. Sakari's mission is to make wine more approachable. Uh, and due to my lack of editing skills in GarageBand, this conversation is a much longer one than our usual hour. We actually almost hit two hours, um, but it was just so much fun to talk to her. Uh, we jumped right in. So her actual introduction of herself doesn't show up till like the end of the first hour. So y'all hang in there. It Believe me, you will not regret listening to the whole thing. Um, Sakari is uh, knowledgeable and approachable and she was just absolutely delightful to talk to. So this is a really fun episode. Um, bourbon, food, plants, those have all been my bombs, for, <laughs> the bombs for my soul uh, throughout 2020. This year has been an interesting mixture of like awesome opportunities, total madness, and then like an utter hellscape. So, you know, I've been leaning on those kind of three components uh, to keep me going throughout the year. Um, uh, you know, as far as books go and food goes, like the cookbook offerings this year have been fantastic. Um, a cookbook offering that it, that provides all the comfort and warmth of a home cooked meal is by none other than Miss Tony Tipton Martin, um, which you know we all should know the name of this title right now is Jubilee. Um, it's a guidebook, a cookbook, and a celebration of the dishes and the cooks at the center of American cooking. So buy yourself a copy and then buy a copy for a friend and then go to the grocery store and cook yourself a very lovely meal. Um, Jubilee is available now wherever you get your hands on your favorite reads. I am currently fundraising for season four of the Afros and Knives podcast. For most people who don't know, uh, you know, we're in season three right now and wrapping up. Um, and for three seasons, every single week or pretty much every single week, I have worn pretty much all the hats required to produce a podcast. And hopefully it's been a quality podcast that's added some value um, to you. And so I have played, I am playing host and editor and sound engineer and tech support and producer and business manager and PR and marketing manager and so many other things. And while I love what this podcast has become. And I love putting out a new episode and a new conversation every week. I am absolutely burnt out from just um, doing too much. So I want to employ more help and that help is not free. So the funding goal is $10,000 or 500 new Patreon members at $20 a month. Um, hitting that funding fundraising goal means... I am able to bring on a business manager to help me with sponsorship so we do not have to fundraise for the show. We, it just you know takes care of itself for the most part. Um, I can bring on an editing team, a social media manager. It also means that I can finally launch the Afros Knives video channel. Um, you know, I can't, it, it's been hard to dedicate time to building that when I have really spent all my time making sure that the audio and the delivery of this podcast is a high quality 
um, is as high quality as it could be. Um, I want to add, let's see, closed captioning to the video channel uh, for those who have hearing challenges, which means transcription, which means having an editing team. So the editing team really will cover a large chunk of the cost as well as provide a large chunk of the labor. So they do uh, transcription, of course, all the editing, adding all the music and stuff like that. So that takes up, um, can sometimes take up up to 40 to 60 hours a week for me. Uh, so it's a full-time job. Um, and, you know, getting more help means I can reclaim a lot of my time and then reinvest it into elevating and expanding the podcast. So I just, you know, I want to turn around and, and put some more effort back into new interviews, um, improving my own interview skills and um, just providing an even higher quality uh product for people. Um, it also gives me some time to finish my degree. Um, I don't, most people don't know I'm actually going to Penn State for my uh, digital journalism and media bachelor's and uh, hopefully master's eventually. Um, so in order to finish that, come next year, I need more time. So it just, you know, the fundraiser is to allow me to again invest in myself and then invest, reinvest in the podcast. So if you want to help, and uh, I definitely would ask you to consider supporting this effort, you can donate through the funding site directly, which is gogetfunding.com backslash Afros and Knives, or I have PayPal, which is going to be paypal.me backslash Afros and Knives. Um, there is Venmo, which is um, my name, my first name, T-I-F-F-A-N-I, Tiffany, with a hyphen, and then Rosier, my last name, R-O-Z-I-E-R. Um, or you can go directly to the Afros and Ives website and it has all of those options there as well. If you decide that you'd rather be a patron and be a monthly supporter, um, you can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash Afros and Knives and become a Patreon member. So remember, it's a $10,000 goal or 500 new Patreon members at $20 a month. Um, if you love this podcast and you're just not able to do anything financially, which we I completely understand, trust me, um, you can also support the podcast and support the fundraiser by being sure to just listen and listen to the show and then follow, subscribe, share, and comment. Um, all of those things absolutely help and support. Um, so yeah, as we make progress in the fundraising, I will be sure you can check the Instagram and Facebook and the Twitter, and I will be sure to continue to put updates there. Um, season four, I have so much planned, so much. Um, season four will have a couple of special like series. One will be focused on uh, indigenous and black indigenous women who work in food and beverage. Um, so interviews with them. There will be a, uh, a series focused strictly on on black women who work as private chefs. There are so many of us there. It's a huge demographic of black women who work as private chefs. And I would just love to explore why that is. Um, and uh, because we are an entrepreneurial group. And so I'm sure a lot of it has to do with that. But I really want to explore kind of the life and times of private and personal chefs. Um, so, yeah, there's just a lot for next year. And I'm sure some things that I don't even know are coming down. So I just want to be prepared. And again, I would love to make sure there is a season four. So 
definitely, uh, you know, again, check the website afrosandknives.com to get more information about the fundraising and uh so um yeah i will not take up any more of your time with this business so let's just jump into this interview for hopping on like yours is one of the first uh, like podcasts i actually started listening to oh, i was like really? thank god oh yeah, because some of them were like yeah. so bad. And like I was looking for examples of like really excellent work. And I just I am, you know, I tell people like I appreciate the absolute resilience and resourcefulness of the black community. We do not allow like lack of access to stop us right. from doing something at the same time. My hope is that we don't just settle exactly. for that. Like there's a point where you go, I want to produ- I think our stories should be framed in a way that is beautiful and high quality and um, and just excellent for consumption. Like I just, you know, you don't want someone to hop on and, you know, they end up kind of leaning into that weird stereotype that, oh, because it's a black person, either has mm-hmm. to be cheaper, more discounted, mm-hmm. not as good. And I just, you know, I want people to step away from that and not have right. an excuse. So for me, it was just like my my audio quality has always been the thing. And like right now I'm working on like interview skills and people are like, but your interviews are great. And I'm like, but I know what I want them to be. And even if it's just like internal dialogue for me, like there should be, there should always be like some type of like place you're reaching for a new quality that you're reaching for. So so yes, I was just like, okay, guys, I'm going to start listening to the well-produced ones, the good ones, the ones with good content and just like emulate those and not think about like the ones that are, yo, I put out four episodes in the last year. Right. You're like, I'm what like, are you what? doing? That shows a lack of commitment. You can't right. get better at this if you're only doing four a year. I'm sorry. You really have to like put yourself out there a bit yeah. more. And so, yeah, so you, you definitely had one of the very first Aww. ones I did. Um, I did this preview of a website like this 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 digital platform concept mm-hmm. I'm working on and I wanted to like feature different podcasts that people mm-hmm. should listen to and it was essentially the the platform kind of pulls all of these all of this content um across like food mm-hmm. and beverage lifestyle and hospitality and anyone who's con- who's like a content producer mm-hmm. in those spaces I wanted to create a place where people could come to one place and find right. all of it and find you know black people doing this work and so like I'm you know I was like okay we have video I found some like really great YouTube channels and then I was like I want to put some podcast up and like you, of course I was like you know what this is you know <laughs> this is the one I have to put up here first because it's one of the only ones I would not be like mm-hmm. like sad about like I'm like I, I want to pull other podcasts yeah. I really do no but, I appreciate that it's I, I have to tell you, it's it's something that keeps me up at night. It really does. I'm like, you know, when I think about mm. what, you know, what we put out as content, it, it keeps me up. There are times where I've got, you know, I'll do an interview and, you know, I think the other thing that people don't realize when you're doing podcasting is when I'm done with an interview, I am exhausted. Because, oh my God, because you're on and you're up for that entire period of time and you've done all this research prior to and you've done what you need to do to set everything up and then you get there and it's exciting and it's great and you do it. And by the end, I am just dead. I'm like, I'm done. I'm totally spent. And so it takes a lot of energy and a lot of work, but there are times where I go to bed and I'm like, you know, there was a point in that interview where there was some so I think we're going to get some background feed and there was, you know, and these are the things that 
I'm thinking about, right? I'm like, yeah, the interview was great, but I'm like, oh my God, but the, I want the audio, I want the content, I want everything to be so high level. And I've really had an issue over the past, I would say like the past year with just kind of sound quality. So we had different editors kind of work on some stuff at the beginning to see if we could get them to kind of work it out. And we finally said, you know, we have to completely switch this because, Mm. you know, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not satisfied to the level that I, that I need to be satisfied. I'm never going to be a hundred percent satisfied because I'm a Virgo. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm like, I'm a Leo. I I agree with that sentiment. I mean, it's just like, I want it to be perfect. And, you know, it takes my brother to say, it's never going to be a hundred percent for you. Like, because I'm, yeah. you know, I'm my own worst critic, right? So he's like, it's never going to be 100% for you. But I, he's like, but I understand knowing you, I understand that it can keep you up at night. I'm like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, for me, I've been, I, I started last summer mm-hmm. doing this and I just, it was such a steep learning curve because I was like, okay, I, I worked as a graphic designer for 10 years. So I understood like, you know, working in that space for, a, you know, a little bit, like I understood like mm-hmm. Adobe program. So I was like, okay, did all this research of what am I going to use and should I hire mm-hmm. an editor and all this other stuff? And I'm like, well, I can't really afford to pay anyone. <clears throat> so I'm like, well, I guess I'll mm-hmm. be doing this myself. How hard can it be? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I had no. the same I was like, like I'm like, what? I mean, you just like talk to people. <laughs> like you don't realize oh, that so at some work. point <laughs> you might be talking to someone who doesn't exactly. want to talk to you. And you don't you don't know that till they're on and you kind of go and it's I was commenting um a couple of interviews ago, because I decided to do like this marathon mm-hmm. interview situation, which I don't know why I signed on to do like 20 interviews oh, in two so weeks, hard. but here we are. Yeah, that's hard to do that bulk interview. <laughs> because I was like, let's just get yeah. them knocked out. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if the world's going to implode on itself mm-hmm. in the next few months. Let's just take care of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so I was talking to someone and I was like, the thing I, that I've learned over the last year is that interviewing Black women specifically, that because we do not often get a platform to talk about ourselves and our accomplishments Mm -hmm. and our work. And it's often like criticized when we do that, we're considered either arrogant or um, kind of like we've lost touch or like, there's just always this criticism around us, like kind of claiming our own space and being comfortable in our own bodies Mm -hmm. in our own lives. And so like, I've noticed over time, like certain interviews, like the women who have spent a lot of time working Mm -hmm. in media, who have to talk about their own work and themselves a lot, very Mm -hmm. frequently, they have a tremendous amount of practice. And so they come on and it's very natural. They're, you know, when I ask questions like, you know, tell me about yourself, tell me about your brand, tell Mm -hmm. me about your work. And it just flows out because they've been talking about these things very frequently. The, the women who have done tremendous work but have never been given the space to talk mm-hmm. about it struggle. Mm-hmm. They, they're kind of like, I don't know. It's like asking someone to write their oh own bio. They just, you know, you seize yeah. up, you have a headache, you don't know. Because you, 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 it's just like we're not encouraged to celebrate our, mm-hmm. our wins. We're not encouraged to talk about our failures. We're not, mm-hmm. it's just not. It's just like, well, there's no space for you or any of that. And so you have to. You have mm-hmm. to hold on to that. Like, don't, don't just hold, just mm-hmm. suck that up because you're fine. And, or the, we get the, oh, your work will speak for itself. I'm like, no, I exactly. will speak for myself. And Thank my you work. very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I was just like, but, you know, a lot, all the women I've interviewed have been absolutely in like aspirational, inspirational. They have uh, tremendous stories. They have rich lives. And I'm just like, it's, you know, I, I hope we get to a place where black women are allowed to talk about themselves in such a positive way more mm-hmm. frequently that when they do get asked to do an interview or, you know, talk about themselves, that it comes yeah. really naturally. It comes very easily because they're proud of themselves, they're proud of their work. And so, yeah, that's just been like one of the big things I've walked away from in the last like you six know, months. And- talking yeah, to different and, women. And I have to tell you, this is all, it all comes full circle, right? So I have an amazing therapist that I work with here in Atlanta because I believe in therapy. Uh, um, listen, same. absolute oh, my, same. She's fantastic. I love my therapist. And um, one of the things that she's had me do as homework and, you know, I'm like, really, Dr. Rue, you're going to give me homework. Um, she's like, yes, I'm giving you homework. And your homework is I want you to write down everything that you have done since you moved back to Atlanta, right? And part of this is coming from what you were just talking about, about being comfortable enough within myself to celebrate the things that I've accomplished in my life. And I've not been comfortable doing that. I'm like, no, I want to hear what everybody else is doing. I want to raise everybody else up. I want to support, you know, I want to support everybody and I want to make sure that, you know, everybody is being seen as much as, as much as possible. Um, and she says, yeah, but in the midst of doing that, you have forgotten about your own story about yourself. Um, and I was interviewed for an organization that I'm super excited about and, and, um, being involved with. And this was last week and they said the exact same thing to me. They were like, we want to know your story. Like you've interviewed people for three years. You've done over 70 interviews and we want to know who you are. And I was like, really? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, I know that's why I I asked her to come on the program. Uh, I hope she's ready. I was like, like, for real? (laughs) You know, and they were like, yes, you know, we want to know who you are and where all this started for you and how you like how you got here and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, oh, well, okay. Well, let's talk about <laughs> You're like, I don't know how I, I got here. Know. I, I just, just did. It's, here, it's right. Oh but my it's God. That it's same, so it's crazy. that same just what you were talking about. It's that same thing where I think for so long, especially, you know, black women, we have been in the space of taking care of, supporting everybody else. And when it's turned back on us, we're kind of like, uh, uh, and then sometimes we don't view what we've done as an accomplishment. We just kind of look at it like, well, first of all, that's kind of what I was supposed to do. So really, is it all that great? You know, (laughs) know, I'm like, exactly. We do not give out gold stars for stuff you're supposed to just do. I'm like, you don't get, it's just like, and I told um, a friend of mine this the other day, I said, it's like when fathers say they are babysitting their children. It infuriates me. I don't. Because I'm like, first of all, you ain't babysitting. Those are your children. That's your responsibility. You do not get a cookie for that. 
that statement, I always remember like that kind of statement makes right. my ass itch. I just guys, you don't babysit That's your exactly kids. Like, right. are you serious right That's now? Exactly right. So they're like looking for you it. Lost your yeah, whole because mind. It's something that they're mm-hmm. supposed to be doing, but they think they're supposed to get a cookie for it. Like you're supposed to get some kind of accolade for it. So I think, you know, for me at least, it's been one of those things where I'm like, no, see, this is what my parents raised me to do, right? I'm supposed to right. do these things. And it's funny, I was talking to my mom about it and she was like, yeah, you're supposed to do these things, but you're also supposed to celebrate the things that you do. And I'm like, but mom, it's just kind of, you know, I'm like, it's just what I do. She's like, oh Lord, what has happened? What have I done? <laughs> right? Done, yeah. I'm like, cause my mom is that person. I told her, I told her at one point, I was like, mom, we are going to have to organize, um, a, like a Catholic mm-hmm. Jubilee for you. Because my she really is a a, lar- a big fan of like mm-hmm. accolades and like gifts and uh, gifts of yeah. gratitude for the things that she's told you that she told you so, <laughs> and so like that a lot of times like she she's I did not learn that kind of like self deprecating energy mm-hmm. from her because she is all about all levels of accomplishment, great and small. And she will hype herself up. And it's just like, nope, I did that. I woke up this morning and did mm-hmm. these dishes. And I did. And I'm just like, okay, well, like, why are we throwing a massive right. parade for that stuff? She's like, look, girl, let me tell you. I was like, oh, okay. I just, apparently I did not yeah, get that Yeah, I didn't get, and I told her, about, I was like, I, I didn't get that memo, mom. Like, it was just, these are the things that you do. And she said to me, she says, you know what? Part of that is because of what I did you know, when you guys were growing up, right? So my mom and dad were married for over 20 years before before they divorced. But, you know, my mom was like, she worked, my dad worked, my mom came home, my dad worked later hours than my mom. So she came home and she did all this stuff. And, you know, she was progressing at her job and her career was expanding and growing and she's doing all these things. And she didn't celebrate it either. So mm. as I'm, you know, striving and achieving different things within my life and in my career, she's celebrating me. And I'm looking at her like, this, shit, this is what you, what I'm like, you showed me this, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, and you told me this is what I'm supposed to be right. doing. But that's that piece of, you also need to celebrate what you're doing. She's celebrating me, but I didn't know how to celebrate myself. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's tough. I just, and, that yeah. is hard because you have to like it you know celebration of like accomplishment is directly connected to like the value exactly. of a person somehow we've made we've married those yep. two concepts and so this and then of course the the value conversation means like now i have to look at what i do and like think about it in a transactional mm-hmm. way which is not what i wanted to do like i'm not doing it for in exchange of, exactly. for anything like I'm doing it because it's something I want to do I'm compelled mm-hmm. to do and so because even now when people are like oh your podcast is great I'm like uh right. thank you uh yeah <laughs> you right it's like you right uh-huh. okay yeah, cool cool uh-huh <laughs> sure I'm like and then you because the, the minute someone says it you go there's 19 things about the last episode that I would absolutely oh change you're lucky I'm just not burning the Listen, whole thing to the ground right now we are we are <laughs> We are, we are spirit sisters because I'm telling you right now, that is the same shit that goes through my head. I'm like, I have been, Mm. I was out and this has happened to me a couple of times. And every time it happens to me, I flip out internally. I'm like, what the hell? I was in, listen, I was in Dillard's. 
over by Atlantic Station for those that are familiar with Atlanta. Um, and I was at the Kiehl's counter and I was buying some moisturizer or something I was doing. And this woman looked at me. She said, oh, my God, I know you. And I'm looking at her like, oh, uh, I have okay. no idea. I said, I'm sorry. I have no idea who you are. She's like, you are, no, like, okay. you have that podcast called The Color of Wine. It is such an amazing podcast. She's like, I've learned so. And I'm looking at her like, I'm sorry, what? Like head is yeah. spinning. You didn't grow a forehead. You're just looking at her like, I huh? Said, what? <laughs> she was like, what? That's you, right? You're, you're Sakari. And I was like, oh my God. So the guy... At the kills counter, John, who I know by name, which is so crazy, but he's so nice, <laughs> helps me all the time. He looked at me, said, mm-hmm. "See, I knew, I knew you was famous." <laughs> I was like, first "Don't even of all, play with me, sir." Don't I am not famous. <laughs> I said, "Famous, okay." Like, this look. right here, this whole interaction right here is freaking me out because I don't think of it. That way, I think of it as right. I am providing this platform for people to tell their stories. I'm helping them to put their themselves out there. Um, that yeah. is me. So I'm like, oh. I'm not thinking yeah. about this from the perspective of somebody's going to walk up to me and know who I, I'm. Like, I'm sitting behind a mic. Like, I have a social media. So if you if you follow me, you know what I look like. But I'm like, I don't. I just don't think about it that way. And, but I think, right. I think with that, there comes a level of this, this space of authenticity that happens because we're not thinking about it from that perspective, right? We're thinking about exactly. it from the perspective exactly. of providing as opposed to kind of, you know, taking and it being all for us, right? Yes. It's something that we are providing to the community. And so we don't feel like, you know, we're in the front, right? We're in the spotlight. We're in whatever. I'm like, no, the people that are telling their stories on this podcast exactly. are in the spotlight. That's what we're spotlighting. And she was like, oh no, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This is way, no, I don't have to, where's no. the wine? It's I was too like, much. <laughs> You're like, okay. Drink. You're doing the most. Way too it was so <laughs> uncomfortable for me. So I go yeah. back to my office and I call my brother. I'm like, you're never going to guess what the hell just happened. Are you okay? I said, yes, I'm fine. But let me tell you what just happened. So I told him. Wow. And then you tell a story and they're just kind of looking My at you like, like, what is the problem? So the You're issue? like, I said, do, do you understand? See, I said, how weird that is. That is so, and then it, it, I'm like, I usually end up with this added pressure. It's like, now well, now I, I have now, a face to yeah, one of the people. Know. Look, I'm like, now I know I have an audience. I know y'all yeah. listening. Like half of me is still thinking, okay, maybe only four of y'all are out there listening and it's not a big <laughs> right. deal. But now that I know for a fact that somebody can clock me Listen. in the streets. Um, Listen, okay. It's crazy as hell when that happens. I was like, whoa, this is really, really like, weird. Right. But it's, it. I'm like, did I say anything crazy? <laughs> you got to go back and think, what did I say? <laughs> Have I been talking I crazy? Somebody mm. needs to tell me. Uh, so I had I had to tell my family. I was like, y'all need to listen to my damn podcast. And this is what's funny because I have an <laughs> uncle that listens to my podcast. And he will tell me, he's like, Sukari, that was a great podcast. That was a great story. Thank, that was really, really great. I'm like, okay, I know he will tell me... Um, girlfriend. Because he's a pastor. So he will tell me, okay. God, you, okay. Way. 
over the, over right. the line. And then, you know, you have to kind of balance that. You look at that perspective yeah. and balancing from where it's coming from. But I was like, you guys need to, I need people to tell me that I'm crazy or something's not right or something's off or whatever. So I have, you know, really good friends that are now, you know, that are listening to it and that are invested in it with me. And they're like, no, it was great. You know, and I'm like, no, it, it was, and, like, and they're uh-huh. like, no, 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 it was great. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, something has yeah, to be wrong. I'm like, like something not, has to not, be. It's not perfect. And they're like, yeah, but that's your, right. that's your thing, right? But it's that thing of, yeah. it's that space of being okay, celebrating yourself. And as, you know, as a Black woman, I for me, it's just not been something that, um, I it was like, it wasn't ingrained in me, I guess, to exactly. do, to do that. It's just, this is, you know, you have a level of excellence that you are supposed to achieve. That's what was ingrained in me, you know, Precisely. so then when you go and you're doing all these amazing things, it's like, yeah, cause that's what I'm supposed to do. And then when people want to stop and celebrate I'm just it, like, I'm that's like, that's just for what? Okay. I'm like, that's just the standard I'm, I, I have exactly. grown accustomed to because that's what was exactly. demanded of me. Like, I don't expect to like, I was, cause I, I remember it was a point where, um, cause my dad's a singer, my mom mm. sings. And then, so at some point I used to find myself in these spaces where someone's like, we need background vocalists. Do you think you got time? And I just be looking at them like, well, how, who told y'all that I did any of this? Well, your cousin. And I'm just like, see, see mm, what happens. Family. So I would do something and people would be like, so why don't you sing? And I'm just like, look, if I can't like sit out here and do do the damn thing Mm -hmm. like Whitney and like I know I got high expectations Mm -hmm. of myself, but if I'm not out here like striving for that level of excellence, I'm not going to do it. Like if I don't if I can't forecast myself throwing 120 Mm percent into something and like being proud of the work on the other side, like I just don't fancy myself Mm -hmm. doing that. I'm just like, nah, I'm cool. There's because in the end, I don't love it enough. Right. To like let myself get beat up right. for it and like to strive for something and have sleepless nights around it if I'm not going to like really gain like, you know, a level of excellence from it. So I figure, you know, there's plenty of other people in the world who sing beautifully, who love to sing, and that's what they want to do. And I just like, why am I going to take up space where they right. could be? I'm not going to do that. So like something like this, I was like, well, this is, you know, it, I stopped and started doing a podcast probably three Mm -hmm. times. I was in Philly at one point and I tried to like, my mom had been doing this radio show through a a platform called Blog Talk and she loved it. And she was like, yeah, all the, you know, I have so many listeners and have this huge audience. I'm like, oh, that Mm -hmm. sounds great. And I just didn't think about it. And then at some point, I had the same thought. I was like, I don't see any black women working in food, no matter how long I've been in it. And so I started to seek them out. And I was like, I, you know, we should probably interview these ladies and like put their yeah. stuff out there. So I think I did. I managed to do two, two interviews. The sound quality was absolutely terrible. Um, like the first one I did was with a young woman uh, named Natasha. And she wrote a book. I want to say it's called The Color mm-hmm. of Farming. It's pro- I'm probably not saying that right. But she was a, she was super gracious. She was, you know, she she's recently like she's been married and she's had a child already and she runs a farm um, and, and like raises flowers wow. and like she's doing this really beautiful work. And that first interview, I like I play it back pretty often. And I'm just like, wow. OK, number one, you took up like two hours right. of people's time. Number two. <laughs> Half of that sound quality was trash. Like, what were you doing? And I was like, but you didn't know what right. you didn't know. So, like, 
chill. Right. And so like now I'm just like, I would love to get that moment back. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to interview her again. Yeah. And now at least I know yeah. more. And you just go and back. So it's, it definitely yeah, just go back. You just mm-hmm. go back. And I just, you know, for me, I, I like to, and I definitely, I'm, I'm with you on that idea. Like I celebrate other people mm-hmm. heavily. I just find like, I find other people more yes. fascinating. I find their stories like curious and interesting. And so I always want like, okay, yeah, you should talk, you know, the world should right. know about this. The world should know about this. And then people are like, I'll get to the end of an interview. And they're like, thank you so much for what you're doing. You know, this podcast is just a great platform and, you know, it's just really cr- incredible work. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> what are you even like, what are you saying even talking to me about right now? now? <laughs> Okay, I appreciate that. But I'm like, you know what? I mean, I just sat here and asked some questions that I was curious about and I let you answer and that was it. Right. Like, ah, with no real labor involved here. <laughs> but um, but then I had to like step back a minute because I had a friend who was like, Tiff, like, no, the, the work you're doing is is great. Like you should really acknowledge mm-hmm. that because then at some point you come off as yeah. ungrateful. Yeah. And it becomes it becomes insulting yeah. to people because they're trying to tell you like the labor you're putting into this is valuable to them and you keep talking it down yeah. and like and saying that it's not true. And so I was just like I had to check myself and go, wait a minute. Okay, you're not sitting here right. wasting your time and you're not you you find what you're doing to be important, even if you aren't a fan of like the results mm-hmm. all the time, like what you do is important. And I, you know, like that has been a very distinct lesson I've learned over the last year is like sometimes everything that isn't, everything that is good isn't always important and everything that is important isn't yep. always good. And so you have to like let go of all of those expectations mm-hmm. and let it be what it needs to be. So yeah, so I, I'm literally sitting here. I, I hit the record <laughs> button like 25 <laughs> minutes ago and I'm like, we haven't done an intro. Nobody knows who I'm even talking to right now. And look at you 25 minutes in. And I was just like, wow, we will eventually get to the regular interview portion of this and it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Because it was like, I was like, okay, this Listen, is cool. We can just, yeah, just jump right on in this bad boy. Happens. I am all this good. what happens. It's exactly. all good. And I did like, I did just make a very conscious choice to like whatever, outside of like really egregious mm-hmm. sound issues, like whatever the interview turns into, I just decided yeah. to let it ride. I was just like, you know what, Tiff? This is you. These are your guests. This is how you wanted this to go. You know, this is you encourage people to be yep. informal and relaxed and be themselves. And, you know, because most people who are being interviewed, most of the ladies being interviewed are being interviewed for like magazines and like, you know, publications. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit more exactly. formal. And I'm just like, no, I just want to just mm-hmm. talk to you. I want to know, like, if I had met you at a party or at an event and we ended up just chatting for 20 minutes, like, what would right. you say to me? And that's the the energy I'm trying to, like, convey to people yeah. when they're listening. Um, I think it's working so far. I think people know, like, that's the intention. <laughs> I hope so. I think it is. Uh, and and I tell you, I feel, I feel extremely com- comfortable. And I have to say, it's, it's different being on the other side of the mic, right? It's different being That's on so the other side of all this because it, you know, at first I'm, you know, kind of setting up my stuff and and plugging everything in. And I thought, I was like, you know what? I can just be free to chat because I don't have to do nothing. I'm on the other side of this. So I'm going to get me my bottle of rosé and I'm going to sit up here. I was like, and this is just going to be what it's going to be because this you is dope. Look, I encourage 
cons- I encourage all types of libation consumption during these podcasts. So whether you are doing the if you, if you are an interviewee or whether you are listening, I say go ahead and pour you a little something and, and do it this way because I find yeah. it to be infinitely more entertaining if you got a little like brown Girl, liquor or some listen, wine and you are good works. to there were time There was a, one interview that I did where I had a martini. I was like, it's just been that kind of day for me to get from you know, my, my, my nine to five, my, my first investor, mm. right. Is what I call it. Um, to get from that and then transition. Sometimes it can be a little bit of a tough transition, um, to go from a space that's super analytical to something that's super creative. And, um, so yeah. I usually just pour myself a glass of wine before, and then, you know, that kind of brings me down a little bit and then I can get into the interview. And then, you know, I've had guests where we finished the bottle, right? So, it's just kind of what happens. But on this particular day, I was like, oh, no, wine is not going to cut it today. I'm it's gonna not going to do it. Something. I need something so I, I did. I was like, let me make a martini real quick and I'm going down that kind of fast. And then I'll I'll be in a better space <laughs> to actually. I was just like, y'all, so y'all lucky I'm not up here with like droppers full of CBD oil and trying to get my entire right. life. Because I'm like, look, we have we are literally six months into the year, almost uh, into seven. Like it's almost July, and I'm just like, it, there's literally been two thousand days to this already. year already. It's like Groundhog Day. I'm like, so any, oh, uh, so I'm like, any habit or vice you have picked up in the last six months, there is absolutely no judgment here. Do what you have to do because the amount of foolishness outside Listen. in the streets, like what, Listen, what can you I do? Will battle. What I can will you battle do? A COVID perimenopause belly all day before I get out in these streets. I don't have no problem. I'm just not I, doing I it. No I don't trust y'all. Like I don't that's have no problem. <laughs> I just like literally have been <laughs> online like, you know what? The 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 lot of y'all is Girl. just trash. I just I don't understand how we ended up here. Like how do we Listen, end up here? I still do. I'm still doing Amazon for I'm still getting everything delivered. I ain't been to the grocery store. Me too. Have I'm not like, been you out know what? House. And I'm cool with that. I'm I'm cool with that. I'm all I'm right. all right with that. Because I you know I, and people kind of go, oh, you seem like, you know, you're really like a people person. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't let this right. move taste fool you. I am not a people I person. Introvert. I am an introvert right. through and through. And if it's one-on-one, yep, we can do this. We can shine <laughs> together. The minute we get past five people, mm-hmm. that's the threshold. And I'm just kind of like, oh, we yep. need to wrap it up. I got to go home. I can't I'm do this for y'all. And like, <laughs> mm, and so like right now, Watching these fools at the beach in the mm. store, demanding that their rights not be infringed upon. It's for me. It's I also well, it's an introvert's yeah. nightmare because the people who are out here just really going foolish, hard. Like they are really doubling down on their foolishness. I'm just I have no patience for it. I don't. I just I don't understand how you how are you functioning. Mm. Like what do you what do you mean the mask is make the the one oh, Jesus the, I was watching. The the city council meeting in Florida from last oh, night. Oh God! And my my thought has already been like, go ahead and just throw right. the whole state away. They are not doing anything exactly. to help anybody right now. And I was just like, so the four of the largest idiots stand up in front of this microphone <laughs> to declare that having to wear a mask in public is a fr- mm-hmm. infringing upon their rights. And I'm just like, please explain to me how you have come to this conclusion. And one woman started talking about citizens' arrests and how she was going to arrest the doctor who was on the panel because she's doing the devil's work. I just was like, the amount Mm. of foolishness. It's too much. I'm like, y'all, I will see y'all next year. 
because I, I cannot. Twenty twenty. Let me tell you something. I was talking to my brother <laughs> yesterday, and we have we have determined twenty twenty one is just going to be a year of debauchery, because people it are really going is. to lose their shit when you can actually yep. physically do travel events. People are going to lose their minds. Their whole minds. Mm-hmm. It's gonna the be, turn it's up gonna be is going to be the turn uh, up is going to be unreal. Be so lit. <laughs> you're gonna be so lit. I'm gonna be like, what we cannot have, y'all. What, I'm like, I'm gonna encourage people do. to just get your mind right. Get your mind right about it now. Because what oh. I don't need is like, okay, we got through one pandemic, and next one. thing we know, we have girl. a rash of like STDs and other girl. foolishness, and now mind. we got new girl. Listen. There are going to be some unions that you're going to be like, what? I like, can't. What nope. I can't even. I, I just, can't even. All mm-mm. the babies that are going to be mm-mm. born. Oh, I, girl, I can't even. I just, I oh, have mercy on my entire soul. I was just like, the children that are going to come into this world in the next nine to 12 months. <laughs> it's going to be. To parents who have not been outside in like a year. Mm-hmm. I just. I helped me like make it make sense, y'all. This one woman stood up there and talked about how we were a lot. They were the, the city council in their efforts to help, you know, flatten the curve and encouraging people to wear a mask that we were turning our backs on the, our God given. Oh, Lord, what does she call them? our God-given ability to breathe, oh, some, some level of foolishness in there. So like she was saying that we were insulting our lungs and therefore insulting God because we were wearing a mask. I was like, ma'am, no one said to stop breathing. What are you even talking about? You know, it's folks no. that are like, it's folks that, it reminds me of folks that don't believe in therapy. So he, here's the thing. So I heard mm. very early on, not very early on, but earlier in my life, I was at a church service up in up in uh, Harlem. And I won't say the church, even though, yeah. And I won't say the, the pastor's name, but anyway, I'm up in this church and I'm sitting with a couple of my girlfriends and we were going to go to church and then we were going to brunch. And I will say it's a Baptist church. So we're sitting up there, the pastor's black service is going really well. Pastor comes on to give his sermon. And the pastor then says, basically that if you are suffering from depression, it means you have no relationship with God or your relationship with God ain't right. Okay. Now for, for someone who has suffered from depression as a result of PTSD and all this kind of stuff, I stood up, I was like, you know what? And my girlfriend was like, Sukari, Sukari. I was like, listen here, what you're not mm. going to do is, <laughs> is tell me. No, sir. That you, I was like, and I'm looking at the women that are there with me, my friends, and I'm looking at them. I'm like, we have all battled depression. What the hell are y'all doing still sitting here? What like, are you doing? How are you yeah. supporting this? So I'm getting ready to leap up out the pew. And one of my girlfriends, she touched my hand. She was like, Sakari, I feel you. Let's just kind of, we'll, we'll kind of slither out, but let's just not stand up and... <laughs> She's like, let's not die on this hill right now. We ain't gonna die on this hill. We got to go eat brunch. brunch And then we really gonna talk. I said, wherever we go, better have a ton of liquor because this is insane, right? So I'm, I'm pissed. It's insane. So we get to, we get to brunch, and I, I, we were talking about it, and I said, listen, here's my issue with it. I said, 
whether or not you believe in the same God I believe in, you believe in something, right? The A lot of folks do. There are some people that don't, but you believe in something. I said, there is no way that I can sit there and take that statement because you see the God that I believe in gives people talents and, and, and blesses them with ability. And there are people out there to help other people that are therapists. He gave them that ability. So they are there to help. They are there to serve. They are there, but by the grace of God. So how are you going to sit up here and tell me that I shouldn't go see that person? I should look at my relationship with God as the issue. I just, girl, I I, lost my entire shit up in this restaurant up in East Harlem. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. I said, this is what, this is what you're telling us at church. This is why families don't talk about it. I'm like, that's why you got your little. This is why families like. This is why black families don't talk about about anything anything. because they think. Let me just just pray on it. You know what? You need to pray on it and take that person over to someone to get some help. Because God put these people on this on this earth, this planet to help. That's why we have doctors to help. I'm just like because you like why can't we do both? Why can't I talk to Jesus and talk to my therapist? Thank you. Jesus therapy. They're they're not saying anything that is contrary no. to each other. Um, and and the fact that the that we still like kind of willfully walk in this space of not wanting to mm-hmm. understand mental mm-hmm. health as a whole, and like that it is a it's a huge part of your general right. health and the condition of your life and like the quality of life. And so I'm just kind of like, why, 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 why this? I'm like, is it because it's your mind and you just don't understand mm-hmm. how that works? Well, I think it's like your ignorance cannot yeah, be bliss. No, I think it's, I think it is something that, it, and I've seen it in, I've seen it in my own family and not necessarily around mental health, but just in general. Right. So the older yeah. folks in my family didn't want to talk about, like the past, they were like, nope, that's, that's done. That's over. Let's move on. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. We got to stop doing that. That's over. That's done. Move on. Yes. Like you have to give yourself time to process and deal with what has happened, but they weren't, they weren't given that ability. They didn't have that luxury right, right. of dealing with that on uh, dealing with all of the horrible things that happened on that level. They were told Basically, like, we can't fix that. You need to move on. And that's what they did. But what happens is, is that's then how, as a family, that then permeates our family. And it becomes, exactly you can't fix that. That's just what happened. We got to move on from it. You're stronger than that. You can handle it. Say a prayer and go on about your business, right? So it's something that, like my grandmother, who will be one of my grandmothers, who will be 99 on the 29th of June, is kind wow. of like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff that she never shared. And and part of it is so painful mm. for her that she didn't want to share it. And then for right. her, it's like she didn't, she knew that there was nothing she could do to change it. And for her, it was kind of like, why would I give you all, all this pain? Why would I tell you about all of these things that were so painful? Because I don't want you to feel pain. I want you to progress. I want you to be, mm. I want you to be more. I want you to be better. 
that's what she wanted for all of us. She wanted us to surpass what she had done as a black woman. But I was like, but we need to kind of know that stuff. But she was like, absolutely not. Right. Because for her, Mm. her mother would say the same thing to her. Absolutely not. This is what we're going to do. This is what we need to focus on because we can't change this. So it, it it's one of those things that just, it's kind of gets passed down within the family. And that's how people deal, which is not dealing. But at some point in time, all the shit that you keep pushing back comes to the front. It and comes up. You can't, can't press, press it down too far, too much further. You ain't yeah, got no room. Because it will eventually come right back up to the front of the line. So... For us, for my generation, um, and I'm 48, I'll be 49 in in September, it's a little bit different in that I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know what? Absolutely not. I need need some therapy. Like, I need somebody to help me work through the things that have gone on in my life and the things that I've experienced and the things that I am feeling and all of everything that I am carrying from our ancestors, everything that I carry with me every day, I need somebody to help me figure that out. And, you know, wine helps on Tuesdays and (laughs) certain days, right, to just kind of, you know, help you decompress a little bit. But Mm -hmm. I need to have that resource for myself. And I think for my family, they realized that it's not a horrible thing to go and get therapy. Like once you're in it and people realize, oh, like I always wonder, like, what did you suspect? Yeah, what did you think was gonna, they were gonna put some roots once I started to like really? I'm like, wouldn't okay? Because I, I, you know, like I promised myself, like before I turned for, before I turned forty, I was like, you need to like get yourself in in, mm-hmm. in some therapy, like just do it. And because what I didn't want to do is turn forty and be like, ooh, okay. Um, this is different. Wow. You just yep. carried that into like your fourth mm-hmm. decade. That wasn't even yep. necessary. And sometimes like sometimes therapy is there. Therapy offers you a perspective mm-hmm. and sometimes it offers you some space mm-hmm. to heal. And sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, it's not, again, it's not what you saw on television. It's not like a monolith where you're literally sitting on a couch and just kind of sprouting on, spouting on about, you know, what somebody did to injure you. Sometimes it's like what you did to injure right. yourself. Sometimes it's okay. Well, you have some, you, like the first thing my therapist told me was like, you don't have any boundaries. Now here I sit mm. thinking mm-hmm. I did. And she was able to like, listen to all these things and go, it sounds to me like you don't have any boundaries. It sounds like mm-hmm. you think you do. But you really don't. And that was like a shift for me because it was like, okay, well, talk to me about that. Like, let me like ex- unpack that for me. What do you mean? And so for her to explain like, okay, so this is what bound, this is what having a boundary really looks like. And this is what right. you're doing. So like these, like when people, you know, when I talk to people about those experiences, it's like, oh, I'm like, what did you think is, ha- what do y'all think is happening in therapy to black people? What do you think that is? I understand your suspects. Right. I get you, you're suspicious about the medical community. We have suffered some terrible atrocities right. on account of them. However, like I had a black female mm-hmm. therapist. That's what I have a black. So what did y'all think we was in there doing? Yeah. And I have gone and she is it, funny. She has a, uh, a little sectional. I go, I sit right in the middle. She got a little candy jar on the side. I give me a little, you know, a couple little pieces of candy. And I sit there and I'm like, all right, here we go. And she's just like, okay, I'm you ready. Know? <laughs> what you got? 
grab me a couple pieces of, the, Girl, of these hard candies, one of them little strawberry candies, and sit my ass right yeah. down here and get my Don't life together. Have some chocolate in there. I'm in there like, oh, let me get this snick. She's like, Sakari, you want to finish that piece of candy before you start talking? I just, I guess, you know, for me, it was one of those things where like we carry so much, you know, like, like science is discovering more and more that we carry so much of the trauma of yes. slavery on our DNA yes. anyway. And then, you know, the habits of slavery continue. Yes. Because it's not like it was something you could articulate. Right. Like, who are you going to talk right. to about it besides right. each other? And so as we've carried on over over time, the, 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 the approach has been, well, it's, are you dead? Right. No. Okay, then it can't right. be that bad. Like, it's really like, that's the, kind of like the, the comparison. Right. And it's like, well, I'm not dead, but I'm not living mm-hmm. either. So how about we talk about mm-hmm. that? And so at some point when you go, you know, why don't you consider therapy? Why don't you look at like maybe talking to someone who's objective mm-hmm. and or subjective and like doesn't have anything invested exactly. in what happens? Like they, they don't take exactly. sides. They're not going to be like, I hope exactly. you win. And it's, it's not about that. And, you know, so the idea that now that we have the service available mm-hmm. to us, if you had a moment to talk to someone and, allow, and had a space to process the things that happened to you, where do you think your life would be? And I, what I did not want was to have to imagine where my life mm-hmm. would be, knowing that I had the resource to like break through a couple of things that were like keeping me in right. a loop. And so, you know, for me, like I noticed like there was beha- a cycle of behavior and I was like, you know, it wasn't it wasn't destructive in like the, what people would consider like in the traditional sense. It wasn't like a substance abuse problem and that kind of thing. But for me, it was an unacceptable pattern mm-hmm. of behavior. And I had very specific places I was trying to go. I had very specific goals I wanted to meet. And my current pattern of behavior was not going to permit me or allow me to go where I wanted mm-hmm. to go. So that was plenty of reason for me to go investigate what was yeah. really going on. Well, I think. And so like, I think it's interesting. I think of, uh, a woman that I have the utmost respect for, and I, I can um, call her my sister. Uh, her name is Julia Coney, and she is a wine journalist. She is um, a disruptor of the industry. She is someone I just have just so much respect for. She said on Instagram on one of her talks, and I mentioned this on a call that we had Um, I think it was last week on a a Zoom panel that she was on. And she said something about the, what we carry as Black people in our bodies as stress. Mm. She says, so when you look, it's basically that we carry so much stress in our body from all of the trauma that we have experienced in our own lives and in the lives of our family, you know, before us. And in our ancestors' lives, we carry all that with us. So what does stress do to your exactly. body, right? So if you look at it from a, from a specific, like, kind of medical, physiological perspective, what does stress do to your body? It's, it is the thing that causes so many ailments within, you know, within your body, right? So whenever yeah. you go, the first thing they'll ask you is, you know, so are you under a lot of stress? You know, and you kind of want to say, are you, are you fucking I, kidding I was me? born yeah, into a lot of stress. I was stress. I was, I inherited a lot of stress. <laughs> I got, you know, that right. was my birthright. I got stress. stress, right? So you look at all of the things that we have to deal with on a physiological level as just from being a black person and what we carry with us. 
And then you look at all the stress that comes from every other part outside of ourselves, right? From society, from your job, from your neighborhood, from just being who you are. And you wonder Mm. why. You wonder why things, we have different issues. You could have someone that lives in the poshest neighborhood within whatever community that you live in with all of the money and wealth where they have that level of freedom that comes from that, that comes from that part of, of what they do and they still have health issues and you wonder why. And we have people that live in food deserts and can't get a fresh vegetable unless they drive 30 miles to go get a fresh vegetable. And you wonder why without all of the societal stresses, we have stresses that we have just as black folks. So we carry all that and it affects our bodies. It affects our minds. It affects our spirit. It affects every aspect of who we are. And it, it, when she said that, it floored me because I hadn't thought about health. I hadn't thought about what I'm experiencing just as a 48 year old black woman. I hadn't put that Mm. together. Hadn't stopped and said, you know what? There's a reason why I got this perimenopausal COVID belly. Oh, Looking look. at, I'm like, what the, where did this shit come from? Like, what is let happening me, here? Let me tell you. <laughs> what is, do, what, what is, is this, this here? You know, why am I doing Because I know I have cycled through, I have cycled through all manner of malaise Girl. and foolishness at this point. And I like, like the last week has been nothing but like daily mm-hmm. nausea, uh, gastrointestinal yes. upset, and people are like, "Well, what do you think it is? It's, it's stress. stressful. It is stress." I've been. I'm. Si- we are literally sitting in the middle of a global pandemic where the people who look like me are the ones who are likely right. to die from it. We have. We are carrying the brunt of unemployment. Right. We are carrying the brunt of the the social injustice that is connected to the healthcare mm-hmm. system. We know that you know the, there are a lot of black bodies that are now in the ground because they went to the hospital and tried to get a right. test for. COVID-19 and we're told there's nothing wrong with you or it ain't that big a deal because that's how we're Hello. And that's because that's how we're typically treated in the medical community. And then on top of that, all of a sudden, everybody decided to have a a global uprising because we were not going to see another black man get shot down or or choked out in the street collectively. Like that kind of trauma is just repeated all the time. So like, excuse us if we exhibit (laughs) the symptoms of leaky gut ulcers, PTSD, uh, strokes, heart attack, diabetes, like all those stress related Mm -hmm. illnesses. Like pardon us while our bodies try to figure out how to process the constant daily trauma of being a black person living in this full ass country. I'm a drink on that. Because, I, I mean, what else right. can I do? I'm out here drinking all manner of collagen <laughs> and taking some amino acids, trying to heal my Girl, damn leaky gut and I all this other so stuff. And I'm like, vitamins. no, it ain't nothing but these idiots yes, out I here. so many vitamins. I'm taking the fish oil. I got the vitamin D because, you know, we for some reason we, we lack in that as black folks. Oh, <laughs> Got the vitamin D, girl. I got the multivitamin. I got the biotin. I got all the stuff. And now I'm about to start, start taking the CBD oh. oil. I got all the stuff. I got I mean, all of it. All the things. I have 
I mean, I forgot. I'm doing like 10,000 milligrams. Girl, of listen. D. I'm in here with on the I'm taking magnesium. Girl, all of that. Try to help me sleep. I'm all taking the- all of that shit. And and my sister in, in life and in wine, she takes a uh, a CBD oil. She said, girl, I put just a little bit under my tongue yep. every day. Tongue, yep. Helped. I just I was like, listen. I went because my, my sister and I, people are like, get the girl, gummies, get the gummies. Lives, I'm like, y'all don't leave me alone. Look, my sister lives in Oakland. She was like, you need me to send you a package. I was like, listen here, just go on and do it. Ha- I just I go on like, and do it. I'm not coming to Oakland to bail you out of airport jail. Don't be sending me. I said, Same. listen, I'll I can get it. I can I can find it. I can get it. I can, can find it. it. I can, can get it. it. She was like, "Okay, you just yeah. let you just let your system know." <laughs> you know I mean, because the, the CBD oil I I typically get doesn't have like yeah, the THC yeah, yeah, in yeah. it. So while you don't yeah, get yeah, all yeah. Of that foolishness, but you're like my Girl. sister, my, my biological sister, like we we stay we're staying in the place in Harlem right now, and so a friend of hers was like, mm-hmm. "Here you go, take some of these brownies, and we also made some like rice krispie <laughs> treats with some of this <laughs> cannabis. So get your life." So and she was like, like I tried minute. to take a small corner piece of this brownie tiff and it almost took me out. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, you weren't sleeping. So I, how bad can right? it be? Tiffany, first of all, where are you up in Harlem? Because I lived up in Harlem. Where are you up in Harlem? I am I am on uh, Malcolm X and with 100, like right off of 125th. Okay, okay. Okay, so yeah. I lived off of so like right. I'm right down the street from okay. Red Rooster yes. uh, from uh, Marcus Marcus here. Sanders. I done yep. had some right days at the Red Rooster and some nights downstairs. And ooh, let me stop. okay, okay, that's a different show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, so we'll just reschedule it because we need to yeah. know about where. But I used to live yeah. off of. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived on 116 between Third uh, and Lex. Ooh, yes, okay. and I spent. <laughs> oh i spent a lot of time up, up in harlem oh, like yes doing my thing just, is that place still there called um lido it's like on one yes well i haven't been, yeah I yeah no but pre-covid open. pre-covid but pre-covid I be, yeah, yeah i believe so because mm-hmm. i was just like mm, i got here like right at the beginning of the shelter okay. in place so i kind of like clocked a couple okay. places but i haven't been outside since and like really looked I for anything i did not know um, you but were i believe up there. so Bro, i got some folks i need to hook yeah. you up oh my god i did not know you were up there let yeah. me let me find i mean well, i start do you know um do okay you know, um shakira jones so shakira is black girls dying too I need to hook I need to hook the two of you up because you guys are both kind of doing please some things do. with Cherry Bomb. And I yes, need to please. hook the two of you up because she's up in she's up in New York. Yeah, she's on the Upper West Side. Um I probably follow you probably her. Probably follow and her. Just have not yeah. the dots. But she's been yeah. doing some stuff with Cherry Bomb. So I need to I need to make sure you you two connect. Um she is she is she is my sister. She is amazing. Um yeah, I need to. I need to connect. I need to see. Let me write this down. Oh, I'm about. I'm about it. Find out. I'm about it. I did not know that's where you okay. were, girl. Listen, don't let me find out. Well, I was. I mean, I've been. I grew up in South Jersey, like yeah. outside of Philadelphia. I lived. I've lived in like quite a few zip codes, and like Phoenix is probably the one I go back to the most okay. frequently. So I was there last year, and I had um uh, uh opened some open a business. Um, for a brand based out of Atlanta called Sifted. Mm-hmm. It's a, a, a um, 
catering company. And so they op- they wanted to open in the Phoenix market. So I did that last year and then um, had an opportunity to come do some work with America's Test Kitchen. Nice. And so I ended up in Boston in January. Look, girl. Girl, me, I wish I, I would have known you were up in nobody's Boston. business out in these streets. Because I got some folks you could have connected I mean, like, here too. <sighs> I just, for me, it was just like, okay, I'm kind of like back in my right. territory. And like America's Test Kitchen like did mm-hmm. what it, it did. Yeah. What it did. Yeah, I just, it is you know, I can't, I have to I tell people, like, I have to give people space to just be yeah. who they're going to be. You got to meet people I just, where they are. I, I can't. Right, I'm like, I'm too old to really try to, like, understand why right. you're foolish. Unless you explain it to me, I'm not going to pursue mm-hmm. that information. I'm just going to let you be foolish, but I don't have to right. participate. And that's how I really just roll on things. I just like, you know what? Y'all, y'all got y'all yep. be blessed. I'm going to go. And so I was in Boston. I ended up back in Philly. Um, and then that, because like the pandemic was just slowly mm-hmm. spreading. And so I was in Philadelphia and I ended up having to be in South Jersey, um, at, at, like for a shelter in place at my dad's mm-hmm. place. And then with the minute we had like a window of opportunity, I ended up in okay. New York because I was going, I was interviewing for um, Bon Appetit magazine. Mm-hmm. And I was going to, I was interviewing for a position in their test kitchen before, you know, the shit all hit mm-hmm. the fan for them. And so I ended up um, just kind of like st- trying to stay nearby because nobody knew how long the right. pandemic was going to last. Nobody knew how long the shelter in place right. was going to last. So I was like, well, if it's a couple of weeks, I might as well just stay right. nearby. So we, I have been in Harlem since like the beginning okay. of April. Okay. Yeah. There's some so, people yeah. and we can, we don't have to do that right now, but there's some people I'm going to connect you with. One is Shakira Jones, uh, okay. of Black Girls Dine Too. And the other is uh, Tahira uh, Habibi of Hugh Society, who's also, she's from Philly. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm going to, I need to kind of connect, connect y'all let's, let's, together. Yes, Tahira is actually here in Atlanta now, but um Okay. She's from from Philly, but um, she's doing amazing things in the black so, wine yeah. community and, and, and just okay. in the wine community in general. Um, nice. Because so, I'm already following Hugh, yeah, Hugh Society, Society for yeah. sure. Um, and then Shakira's, like, yeah, Shakira's doing some amazing things in the wine community and also within um, fine dining um, okay. and that kind of thing. So yeah, I need to I need to connect those dots because I think those yes, are amazing please. women for, you know, just to know in general, but also just because of what they're doing. Um, I think there can mm. be some connection and maybe some collaboration between you guys. I just think that, well, I think that you. would be dope. That's, that's my next, my next, um, my next mm-hmm. project that I'm working on is definitely going to need, I, I'm going to need like really fantastic, like dynamic and fun and interesting, like black mm-hmm. folks. Uh, to be doing yeah. some work. And so uh, the more of them I can yeah. get on the list, the better off I'll yeah. be. Because I was just like, oh, it's time to put everybody yeah. on um, collectively. Exactly. And so I have so I have some very specific thoughts about how to do exactly. that. And exactly. um, so, yeah, whoever you can send Absolutely. my way. Uh, and for like sure. Chef Jordan, who's but a chef yes. down here, but she's also... Mm-hmm. Um, wine educator and yeah, girl. Mm-hmm, I got. Let me write that okay. down, to Chef Jordan. Uh huh. Right. We're gonna have to get you, uh, get you hooked up. And then we got another woman. I got another woman in Texas who is a chef, and she has a master. I think she has a degree in culinary arts and and wine. I'm gonna get you all that information. Um. Okay. And we, I interviewed her on our podcast because she makes um, a red blend that I actually really like, but um, I'll get you, I'll get you her information too. Uh, Rhonda is her name, Chef Rhonda. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Girl, I'm going to get you all that because you can have all these mm-hmm. folks. Thank you so Because <laughs> I need more. I'm going to definitely need more because I was like, I'm going to take a break and like do all the, do this like this batch mm-hmm. editing on all of these shows, all the ed- interviews I've done yeah. so far. And then hopefully sometime in like the end of July, like start recording yeah. them again and uh, get, get do it again. I probably won't do as many as I did this time around, but definitely try to do some like yeah. interviewing instead. Cause I know like this, the, the way this timeline is, is starting to look across the country. It's like, just like, just don't I don't know. know. You just don't know. You just don't know yeah. at this point. So yeah. So um, while we have some time, I was gonna left, say, girl, I got as much time as you need. Just let me go. know. <laughs> okay, I was like, let's go ahead and like at least tell the people the important information they need to know, like who you are, where you at, what you do, uh, how you got, how you do what you do, why you do what you do, all, all those, those things, things. <laughs> um, and then we'll see what happens after that. We'll see what happens after that. Um, so I am, uh, my name is Sukari, um, Sukari Bowman, and I host a podcast called The Color of Wine, uh, where I put the spotlight on people of color in the wine industry. And, um, you know, I am just a little black girl from Southern California who has grown up to be a pretty amazing woman, if I say so my damn self. Um, and, you know, my, my journey with wine started when I got out of college. Um, growing up in Southern California, wine was always in my house, right? My mom drank wine, my aunts drank wine. You know, I always wanted to be in the room with them when they would get together because we spent a lot of time together growing up. And, you know, every weekend it was at somebody's house, right? And all of the aunties and the moms would be in the dining room drinking their wine and the dads would be outside drinking their brown liquor. Uh, by the grill or playing basketball or whatever they were doing. And I always mm. wanted to be in the dining room or the living room with my aunties and my mom, you know, while they sat there and drank their wine and talked and laughed and all that kind of stuff. So I grew up with it in the house. Um, and once I got out of college, I started to attend these dinners because of work. And I'm in uh, real estate finance on the commercial side. and. Um, I was working for a local developer here in Atlanta after I finished school and I would go to these client dinners and I'd be sitting there at the table and they would be pouring wine and ordering wine. And I was like, I don't know what in the hell they're ordering or, (laughs) or really what I'm drinking. (laughs) Um, You know, and I went to college in New Orleans. So I was like hurricanes and Amaretto sours. And, you know, I wasn't really drinking wine in college. Um, and, you know, I would have my Boone's Farm. Don't get it twisted. I would go to the KMB and get some Boone's Farm, then go to Popeye's and get a two-piece with a biscuit and a cup of ice. Ooh, and I yeah. would put the Boone's Farm <laughs> in the cup of ice. And that was my wine experience in college. So I, um, you know, was attending all these dinners and people were ordering wine and asking me what I was drinking and whatever. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And I asked my mom, Um, I told her, I said, mom, you know, I'm going to these dinners. She was like, how was the dinner? I was like, it was really great, but I didn't really know what I was doing or what I was drinking. I just don't know anything about wine. I said, I know you guys drank it when we were growing up, but I don't really know anything. So my mom sat me down. We talked about it. We tasted some wine that she had, you know, just had in the fridge or whatever. And, um, I was like, okay, so now I was armed with information and I could, so that I would feel a little more comfortable when I was at these dinners. 
Um, and then right. I decided to move to New York and I got a job with uh, Merrill Lynch and on their CNBS side, which is way too much information for this podcast, but it's, it's <laughs> way too much information. It is after five o'clock. I do not do math. So, you know, I went into this group that we were doing mortgage backed securities and all this kind of stuff. And, um, the dinners became kind of bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Because now I'm in New York and I'm in banking mm. and there's a lot more money that's being kind of thrown around and the yeah. dinners are at, you know, Michelin star restaurants. I'm having dinner at a chef's table, at, you know, in a restaurant where the chef is coming in and inter- introducing every course, right? And it's a truffle dinner. So they've got these truffles, these mushrooms that they have in the crate and they're bringing them around the table and you could kind of hold them and you can smell them and all these, these these amazing dining experiences. And I was armed with a little bit of information about wine, but as I experienced all this stuff in New York, my passion for wine grew. And, um, I started reading more. I started tasting more. I had an aha moment with a bottle of Barolo at Gramercy Tavern with two other men, one that I went to undergrad with and another that worked at, we all worked at Merrill Lynch, but the other that, that worked there. And, um, you know, you got three little black children sitting at a table at Grammar's <laughs> Tavern, you know, having a real meal, you know, and yeah. having the, you know, the sommelier come by or the waiter asked us what we wanted to drink. And I asked for the sommelier. I knew enough at that point in time to ask for the psalm. Um, so I asked for the sommelier, the sommelier came by, he talked to me, what are you guys having for dinner? Blah, blah, blah. So we're having this conversation. He brings out this bottle of Barolo. He says, I'm going to open this bottle in the back, let you guys finish, you know, your cocktails. And once your entrees come, we'll be ready to serve the Barolo. I said, fantastic. It was an aha moment for me. I never tasted wine like that before. And with what I was eating and we were all having steak and it was just, an amazing experience. And that was kind of the moment where I thought, you know, I really need to figure this out. I need to explore this a little bit more. So I explored wine. I started reading about it, took some classes, buying it the whole bit, moved back to Atlanta. Um, and I've been in Atlanta now for seven years. And I, it was kind of a tragedy that, that started or that put the seed in me for, our blog at the time, which is Love and Vines and also The Color of Wine, Mm -hmm. in that we lost our dad, right? So my brother and I and my two sisters, we lost our dad. And and I was in California, um, you know, kind of dealing and processing that. And I came, we came back, my brother and I were on a flight coming back to Atlanta. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is not my life. Like I have this corporate job and that's all I'm doing right now. But there's so much more in me that I need to get out. I need to figure out a way to tap into these passions that I have. And so I got home, I was renting an apartment because I just moved back and I was sitting on my little deck, reading a wine publication, having a glass of wine and just got really pissed off because I said, you know, I'm reading all this stuff about wine. I'm trying to study some things about wine. I've taken a couple of classes I'm drinking wine. I know my girlfriends drink wine because I'm drinking wine with them. My parents, my mother's been drinking wine since I can remember. Um, But as I look through this publication, there's nobody in this publication that looks like me. 
See. They're not, you know, there's mm. there's nothing in these publications that so I, I put out pulled out a couple of them. I was like, there's nothing here. So I started to get very angry with it. And I called my brother and we started talking about it. And I said, you know, we have to find something to do with this. And I said, you know, wine is a passion of mine. I have become very passionate about it. And my brother is actually a chef here in Atlanta. So I said, you know, your thing is food. My thing is food. I love food. And music is a huge thing for us. It's just a part of who we are. And I said, so let's start a blog, right? Let's start something. Let's start somewhere. So let's start a blog. We can write. We can talk about it. We can talk about these things that mean so much to us. And um, so that's what we did. We started Love and Vines. And uh, we thought about different ways to kind of get our message across just to show our passion for for the industry of food and wine and music. And uh, so we looked at, you know, doing a little television show with a brother and sister. We looked at all these different things. And I came up one day with the idea that we needed to spotlight people of color. We Because I was like, I know we're there. I just don't know where we are. Yeah. And I said, so right. we're going to do a docu-series. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna call it The Color of Wine. So we rented some film equipment and we, you know, started playing with it and started doing treatments and trying to figure it out. And the cost to do something like that was so, it seemed so astronomical, right? At the time, you're just like, oh my God. Right. At the, t- at the time, yeah, I Yeah, at the sure, time, yeah. we were like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Because this was like 2013, 2014. I was like, oh my God, it's going to cost us yeah. so much money to do what I really want to do. And I really, I know we are there and I want to do this, but I just couldn't figure out how to do it. And um, I was, I had, you know, some time had passed. We had done like a bunch of little sizzle reels and we had done all this stuff trying to um, show that there are black folks that love wine and love food and love music. You know, we were trying to figure out how to make it work. And in the meantime, I, I bought a home and I was at my gym in the subdivision and I'm listening to a podcast. So I started listening to podcasts and I'm on the treadmill. I'm listening to a podcast and the interviewer was really dry. (laughs) So so I won't say the name of the podcast, but the interviewer was just really dry. But the person that he was talking to was a gentleman by the name of Andre Mack. Mm, and Andre yes. Mack is my wine crush. And I have told him this, you know, we've met several times since, and he he is he is an amazing person. And and I will call him my brother. He is fantastic. He is a he is a member mm. of my family. And at the time, I had only read about him. And I had only, you know, I had tasted one of his wines, right? And I was, but I was enthralled with him. And his personality is so. Um, it's just so beautiful, right? He's got this kind of larger than life personality. So he was what was bringing all this energy to this podcast. And I almost fell off the treadmill because I had this moment of, oh my God, you're going to start a podcast and the podcast is going to be called The Color of Wine and you're going to interview people of color in the wine industry. That's what you're doing. And I mean, it was was literally in that moment. And I got off the treadmill I came home, showered to get ready to go to work, called my brother who was completely pissed off at me because it had to be like eight o'clock in the morning. And you know, chefs, they don't get up at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, we don't, don't get we up don't at get eight up. o'clock in the morning. So 
he was no. salty because he had had, he had worked a double and all this other kind of stuff. But I told him, I said, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. He was like, you've never, I said, I know I've never done it. He was like, so where do we start? I said, I don't know right now, but I'm going to figure it out and I'll call you later. Right. So I called a girlfriend of mine who's here in Atlanta who has a podcast. She gave me a ton of information, which was so helpful for me. Um, Her name is Kylie Carr and she has a podcast called Behind the Business Suit. She's amazing. And um, she gave me this information. I bought a mic. I got Adobe Creative and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to host a podcast. And I started doing some research, came up with a guest list, went to Virginia for an event called the Exclusive Blacklist, um, which is hosted by Benita Johnson of the Vine Wine Club. And it's an, it's an event where she has a grand tasting and that grand tasting is all um, wine made by black folks. And so I went not knowing anybody and um, tasted wines that I hadn't tasted before, met people that I'd never met before, came up with a guest list. And this was in 2017 and started my podcast, reached out to all the guests that I had on my list. I think our first season was maybe eight, eight or nine episodes. Um, And I, I reached out to all of them by email. They didn't know me from Adam and all of them said yes. And, um, I interviewed them. I had never done that before. I didn't have any like mass communications experience or I didn't, I didn't work at the school radio station. I didn't work for the paper. I didn't, I didn't, this was the first time I had ever done anything like this. And, um, so I, I did that. And Andre Mack was the last guest for our first season. Um, and we have completed seven seasons since then. Um, and I have interviewed over 70 people and there's so many more people, um, to interview, to get their stories out on this podcast. So that's kind of how I started. That's what was the catalyst for me to, um, to start the color of wine. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, those, that those moments. I mean, I'm very familiar with Mm -hmm. those and I remember, like coming into food and not really having anyone who looked like me in any of the kitchens yep. I worked in or really on television. Like they just, we were, we, again, we're not represented exactly. anywhere. And so like over time having to like leave the, the rigors of like a regular restaurant kitchen and getting into other types of food work. And at some point I was just like, what are mm-hmm. we doing? Like media, like food media is so stale and I'm just tired of hearing about the yep. same people. I don't want to watch another food game show. <laughs> yeah. We're straight. It's cool. And so I was like, what can I be doing? Like, what can I, like, what can I do? How can I contribute? Because I'm like, you know, I'm very much not Mm -hmm. the complainer. I'm kind I'm solution driven almost Mm -hmm. all the time. And so I was watching, Ooh, I want to say I was watching America's test kitchen on like Mm -hmm. a weekend and El Simone had popped up and I was just like, Whoa, wait a minute. So all this time, yeah, not a brown person has graced the screen and who is this woman and what's going on? So that, that was my spark. That was my like moment where I was just like, Mm -hmm. I can, if I can get in her head and like, kind of like pick 
all the information and the wisdom out of there and share it with people. Like I, what what do I have to do? And at that point I was listening to podcasts like the Splendid Table Mm -hmm. and Sporkful Mm -hmm. and all of those. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I realized listening to those, there were very few black women represented in those spaces and being interviewed, you know, and they're like, they're not, I'm like, I don't know if you guys just don't find us interesting, but okay. And so I was like, well, I'll do a podcast. And again, I, right there with you. I was like, well, I've never done yep. podcasting before. The few, the skills I did have that helped me was I was very familiar with like design mm-hmm. and marketing so I could promote right. the show beautifully. But it was like, okay, well, if I'm going to promote it, it has to be at least right. good. I wasn't really aiming for like amazing because I didn't know right. enough yet. But um, I sent my email out to her. She responded, was like, sure. I was just like, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. And so like from that point, you're just kind of like, there's so much, like it, the, the voice, as you interview one, the the voices just yeah. multiply. There's more and more and more people that you just didn't realize because, and the minute I go, I didn't know this person was out there. I didn't realize they were out there doing this work. That is the moment I right. reach out because I'm just like, the fact that I'm now discovering you it means that like, even if I was checking for you, I might right. not have found you. Absolutely. And that's what I've been loving. I've been loving about this moment, you know, like while w- white people are waking up to the fact that black people have been, these, been we've been us mm-hmm. all this time. Um, we have made sure that your clothes look right, right. that you're, you're, that you, you come across at least cool to the rest of the world, that your music isn't trash. Like we, we've done all yeah. of that. Um, and you still is just like, oh, we didn't realize you guys were here and wanted like, you know, to be mm-hmm. treated well. And so with that happening, I think simultaneously, I am able to discover Black people that I didn't know were out there because their platforms have mm-hmm. been elevated. And so like, you know, while it's still a little, I'm st- still kind of side giving the side eye to this like response and this energy around like allyship and, and, um, and in and support and all of in in all mm-hmm. the things and I'm just like okay well yeah we'll see how long that lasts like you know consistency right. is everything. While that's happening, I'm also able to see like all of these new platforms that have popped up that I'm just like oh my gosh I didn't know they were there I did oh okay they're doing right. this over here and so I've just it's enriched my uh, it's enriched mm-hmm. my guest list quite a bit and like now I can like pursue some really interesting stories and some really interesting people. And a lot of that work was done because we were kind of like, hey, we've always been here and we might not have been visible to you, but like, thank God now we're visible exactly. to each other. That's like, I mean, it's exactly Because if right. you cannot see yourself. Yeah. I mean, if you, if cannot you can't see, see yourself, yourself, it's hard sometimes to, to realize what's possible. Exactly. Exactly. So for you, um, where... Where do you, how do you see the podcast evolving? Like, would you revisit the uh, docu-series <laughs> if you had if the I had, proper yes. financial if support? If I had the capital, um, I would absolutely do it. Um, because I think okay. that there's, there's only so much that we can create from an audio perspective. There's much absolutely. more that, that I think we can do. And, and there's an impact that, you know, is absolutely greater when you can do something visually. Um, I absolutely would do it, uh, you know, to go to a docu-series. And it's something that we're exploring and, and now is is kind of a pivotal moment, I think, for our community. And yes, it's trying to kind of figure out, okay, how could we possibly do that? Um, 
right there. It's right there. Let's 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 understand kind of where we are right now and let's see if we can't put it in motion again. We've tried a couple of times and um it hasn't worked out. And and even if we tried it again and it didn't work out this time, that would be okay. I will never give up on that, on that thought. Um, and that and the Mm. desire to do that. Um And, you know, so it's definitely something that we're looking at at this point to see if we can, if we can, you know, get, get the capital in order for me to physically do it. Um, Okay. Because that takes, yeah, yeah. it it takes a lot. And it's tough right now because you can't really plan to do it this year, but um, it's something that we can definitely look at for the future um, as far as something that we want to, we want to continue to look at. Yeah. Okay, well, remind me to have an off-size conversation about yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to do that. Because um, I have thoughts. I have thoughts. I have thoughts. Um, so <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. yeah, we need to we need to go ahead and have a conversation about that. So for uh, for yourself and as far as like your, your wine education mm-hmm. and how you're participating in the conversation you're, the, mm-hmm. directly, um, are you doing like classes or are you, well, have you been able to do like some online wine tastings? And that yeah, kind of stuff? so um, about two years ago, I got my... My WSET to um, certification, which is um, Wine Spirit Education Trust, and I got that in Wine and Spirits. With I got my certificate with distinction. I will say that. Um, and so I, I did that, and then I'm also now studying for my um, Certified Specialist of Wine certification. Um, I have participated in some of the virtual tasting, some of the virtual master classes, mm. and it, it's really interesting because now that we are, um, you know, kind of confined to our homes or, or very few places that we can actually go. We're in this position now where you can't kind of physically go do a wine tasting. You can't travel over to Spain and meet a winemaker right at the vineyard. And, uh, but the interesting thing now is even if you were able to do that, let's go back like six or seven months, right? Let's go back to, to 2019, when you were able to do that, right. that was hard to do. It was hard to make yeah. arrangements to meet the winemaker at a vineyard in Spain or in France or, or in Austria, wherever you were, wherever you were traveling to. Now, because of where we are today, there are wine tastings, there are masterclasses, there are Zoom, all these Zoom tastings, right, where you can actually look at the winemaker. And you can listen to them talk about the wine that they've that they've created and what may be in your glass if you have the opportunity to get that wine. So it, it's interesting because as as much as we all want to get back out and we want to travel and we want to be able to have these experiences with each other physically, we are able to do things that I think even if we had that ability, we may not be able to do. So there agreed, are all agreed. these wine educators and these these professionals in the wine industry that are hosting these winemakers for tastings and things like that. And you're exposed to wines that you may not have been able to be exposed to in a, you know, in a, a year ago. Right. So it's it's pretty interesting, even though we are in this space that we're in, the wine industry and professionals in it are trying to still bring this amazing, these amazing winemakers and this amazing wine to people. And I think it's, it's something that the wine industry needed to do. 
Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like when we kind of started into this space in mm-hmm. March and we kind of, you know, all saw it coming mm-hmm. a little at a time, like inching its way. My initial reaction was very similar to most people like, Oh Lord, what are we, what are we about mm-hmm. to get ourselves into? What is this foolishness mm-hmm. and this mess? Okay. And then it was like, Oh, is it a flu? Is it right. a bad flu? Is it a strep throat? And then like, as more information came about, it was like, Nope, it is none right. of those things. And while there was a collective sense of kind of like despair and like sadness and disappointment, I had like run, my first feeling about it was that there's this really interesting window of opportunity that's about to be, that's about to present itself. And, you know, in that, like what you were saying about now you have these opportunities to sit with the Mm -hmm. winemaker because they're in a, they're in a whole pattern and you're in a whole pattern. So why not connect and take advantage of this opportunity to use the technology that we all have been 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 abused by almost because we're always having messages come at us why don't we take some control over it and like actually use it with purpose and be intentional about why we're using it and so like I definitely found like the amount of information being exchanged between people the amount of like connection that you're able to make in this very unique moment I absolutely agree. I I don't think we would be where we are because we would be moving about Mm -hmm. too much and too distracted to really like dial in with each other. And so while absolutely this has been like hard and challenging and all the other things, the things that have come from it, though, have been, you know, fulfilling and really rich. And, you know, I don't think if you if you could capture them in a regular, what we consider like a regular world at mm-hmm. this point, I don't know if we would have appreciated it the way we do because there's no real alternatives. Like we're kind of like, these right. are your options, make right. your decisions. And so the fact that we, there's a level, I feel like there's a, a more intentional gratitude towards the fact that like I have to be I have to be paused in my right. life right now I have to address the things I've neglected I ha- I can enrich the things mm-hmm. that I love and so like we've been presented with this really beautiful opportunity to do yeah. such a thing so I'm just like yeah let's kind of let's, let's let's lean into that let's figure out a way to sustain like this level exactly. of connection with each other as the world starts to open up again because it's only been to mm-hmm. our advantage like honestly I think I've discovered and connected with more people in the last three months um, in this industry than I Mm -hmm. ever have over 15 years of cooking. And it's just like incredible to me how much access we've given each other. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what people Mm -hmm. do with what has happened because I think some folks are like, it doesn't matter. We're just passing time. And I'm just like, yeah, but not not really. really. If you, yeah. Like if you're thinking Mm -hmm. about it, it was, it was more valuable than you give it credit for. So yeah, I just, I mean, the the first few interviews I did around like wine and interviewing black women who work in wine, most of them were educators mm-hmm. or bloggers. And just, it was my, not my first experience with wine itself, but being able to talk to black women who mm-hmm. work and, um, and like draw attention to the wine community with their own voice through their mm-hmm. own lens. Like it's just such a space that needs to be flooded with more people like it just has like let's fill it up there's just so many voices out there telling so many different stories and so I'm just like excited to see what transpires so now for for like have you considered starting like your own label and like you know you know doing the grower thing oh look I I know myself and I am very clear that you know my mother tells a story about me 
when I was little and um, I, she, I had a favorite dress and she put me in this dress to go to school, to go to nursery school. And my, my, the woman that owned the, the nursery school, her name was Mrs. Greenup. And she was a friend of one of my aunts. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's where we all went. Right. So I had this white tennis dress. It was so cute. Little collar. It had the little, um, kind of the little peplum skirt on it. It's, it's a one piece dress and it had on the top left hand corner, two red, uh, tennis rackets. So my mother put me in it because it was one of my favorite dresses. So I put it on. I had my pigtails, my matching ribbons, and my little white tennis shoes with the white bobby socks with the red trim. This is how I roll. You better work. You better work. This is how I rolled, right? So my mother comes to pick me up from school. And Mrs. Greenup says, "Uh, Joanne, so you can't ever let her wear that to school again. Now I come out to school, I am pristine. I look just like how I look when my mother dropped me off. And my mother said, well, well, what happened? She said, that girl would not socialize with anyone. She didn't want anybody to touch her because she didn't want to get dirty. She was like, but can anybody be mad at that? You You knew better. So my mother said, what? And she said, listen, lunch happened. She took her little lunch, sat on the bench at the little table by herself. Somebody came over to want to sit down with her. She says, no, I'm sorry. You'll have to go to another table today. Because I didn't want anybody. You were polite? I was polite. I didn't want you were polite about to it? touch me. Like, I didn't want. Listen, well, that's not my ministry. No, and you've seen these children. You know how filthy their hands you know are. They're dirty. I'm not gonna let dirty these kids touch, touch my me. stuff. So I have realized <laughs> that about myself. As I think it's fantastic. This is just not my ministry. Um, I think that gotcha. for those people that actually are in the vineyards that are growing these grapes to make the amazing wines that we drink. That's got to be your ministry. You have to have a passion about it because that is hard work. And for me, that's just kind of not what I want to do. I think as far as like starting a brand or being a vintner where you're buying grapes or even where you're working with with um, a winemaker um, at a particular winery or vineyard or whatever, I don't know that that's really for me. That may change as I get a little older, but for right now... I rather enjoy uh, the amazing wines that these people that really have a passion for that are are producing. Mm. It, it's just not my thing. Look, people, you look know your lane. Let me tell you it. something. That's, that's I'm not I'm trying to about. get. I'm not trying to move out to that lane because I can't. I just <laughs> now, look now. Do you have any favorite um, like black owned? Uh, black managed wines that you let me tell you something I actually finished while we've been talking I finished a rosé um called three by Wade it's uh Dwayne Wade has partnered with um a vineyard in California called Paul Meyer and um he makes under his brand a uh rosé that's actually really quite delicious um I also absolutely love Andre Max wines um I love his Pinot Noir. He has a Pinot Noir called OPP. 
that is fantastic. He has another Pinot called Borgonia that is amazing. Um, I love really anything that that he produces. There's just there's there's so much beauty and clarity in the wines that he produces. So I'm super stoked about anything that he's got coming out. Um, I also McBride Sisters. The McBride Sisters have a sparkling rosé that is yes. delish, um, and I can I can pound that on my deck in my in my bedroom, in my dining room, wherever. It's amazing, and I love it to death. Um, I also love some wine made out another wine made out of Oregon by uh, Bertani Faustin. Um, his vineyard is called Abbey Creek. He makes some beautiful, mm. beautiful wines. Um, and there's a sparkling Sauvignon Blanc. He, there's a gentleman in, um, California named Chris Christensen. Um, his, his, uh, brand is called Bodkin and he made the first sparkling wine or sparkling Sauvignon Blanc in this country. Um, oh, and yeah, it yeah, yeah, is yeah. absolutely delicious. Um, so those, those are a few of my favorites. There's a, a woman in, uh, Northern California, Theodora Lee. Up the Opolis Vineyards, yep. her Petit mm-hmm. Syrah. Let me tell, but and every, her Petit Syrah is uh, of all the Petit Syrahs that I've had. Her Petit Syrah is probably the best Petit Syrah I've ever tasted. But she makes this Ooh. Pinot Noir that is unfiltered. So when you pour it in your glass, it looks like you know how sometimes you make. Um, like you'll make a a raspberry sauce, right? But there will be something in that raspberry sauce that takes a little bit off the color. So it looks a little creamy. It not, not milky, but Mm, it looks creamy. That's what that Pinot Noir looks like when you pour it in a glass. And it is, it, it, it is, I, I've never been able to really find a word for it. Um, because it's just, first of all, it's so damn delicious. And it's unlike any other Pinot Noir experience that I've really had. Um, so, and I actually drank my last bottle of it a couple of weeks ago. And I was mad when I drank it, but I was so happy when I drank it. Um, because Look, it was, it was so... It, that's what it's there for it now. so delicious. It was really quite delicious. Um, but there are so many uh, Black folks out there making, uh, really making good juice, really making good wine. Um, you know, mm. we're making champagne, you know, we're making, we're kind of, we're doing everything. We're making, you know, these amazing rosés. Um, Donne, um, Burston who makes a, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful rosé who's actually here, um, in Atlanta. And, you know, so there are, we are making some great wine. We are, doing some amazing things. And, and I've told people, and I, I did a video a couple of weeks ago and I said, you know, we're not new. You may think we are brand new, but we are not brand new. Um, we've been in this space for a minute, but nobody's yep. been paying attention to us, but us. So, you know, don't think that this is like a new thing. Um, there's a gentleman in, in California Mac McDonald, who I consider um, to be the grandfather, right? He's the, he is, he is the man that I think for us is, 
it's it's a, a little bit of a starting point, right, for Black folks and wine, and right. he's been making wine for for a while now. His his uh, he has a vineyard, and his wine is under the name of Vision Cellars. Um, and we call him Uncle Mac, and he is his Pinot Noir. I, you know, I if you haven't tasted it, you need to taste it. It pales in comparison. I mean, it is just, it's one of those things that you you have to have it to understand it. It is a beautiful, he makes beautiful, beautiful wine. Beautiful wine. It's like, put that on the list. Go ahead, put that on the list, y'all. Look up Vision Cellars um, and put that on the list. It is, he makes beautiful wine. Beautiful. And he doesn't make a ton Mm. of it. So... If you go online and you get it, yeah, it's it. It's oh, okay. just so amazing. Okay. So there, we've been doing this for a minute. We've made some great wines, and um, you know, it's it's something that I I've had the privilege of tasting quite a bit of it, um, and I I'm I'm honored and humbled to taste it. I you know for me it's like people again. I think the really beautiful thing that black people do with just about everything is enrich Mm it. Um, Like with food, we, you know, food for us is very sacred. Wine is also the same, you know, has carries that same energy and it's typically not thought of uh, in that way in like mainstream culture. Um, You know, it's kind of like, Oh, it's, I get a glass with dinner. I get a, you know, I have some rosé with friends at brunch, that kind of thing. But there's never like this really beautiful connection to what's being Mm -hmm. produced and understanding like the work that's going into Mm -hmm. the ground and, what those families are doing and like that idea that, you know, wine vineyards are typically generational. So anybody out there who's producing wine right now is creating, like is setting up a generational business. And so like, it's rare for, you know, black people to be in that conversation of like generational wealth and perpetuity and all the other things. And it's just like, I find like all of that stuff kind of manifests, manifests itself in Mm -hmm. the bottle um, you know, all that intention and that soul and every, everything we put into like our music and our fashion and our culture goes into those bottles yeah. as well. Um, so yeah. And now speaking mm. of champagne is one of my frequently asked questions mm. of my wine people is, you know, one, where do you stand on it? Two, who are you drinking when you do drink it? And three, what is your favorite food pairing with? So it? I love champagne. Um, I absolutely love it. And I would never stop drinking it. Um, There are a couple of champagnes that I really like. One of the ones that I like is uh, Lallier. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. And you can find it retail between like 40 and 50 bucks. Um, There is a black woman making champagne in France. Um, it's under the label of, of Marie Cesar. And I actually was afforded the opportunity to taste it uh, through Tahira Habibi of Hugh Society. And I mean to tell you, I was floored. It was absolutely beautiful. The wine that she is making, that champagne is gorgeous. Um, there are some big houses that I like. I like Tadinje. Um, 
I think, you know, I like Nicholas Fouillat. Um, I love it. I love champagne. I love sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. I love cava. Prosecco is not my absolute fave, yes. but I, I, I will drink it. Um, but I love cava. Um, I love yeah, so it's much. it's just there's something very beautiful about it. Um, I like really I like is. champagnes that are terroir driven. I like to know where they come from. Mm. I'd like to you know experience champagne for more than just oh it's bubbles right, um, and it has right. such such an amazing fascinating history. Um, I, I think I would like for people that are listening to understand, and we say it in the wine community all the time that if the champagne is not made in the champagne region of France, it is not champagne. So don't be fooled by these labels that you may see that say something is champagne and it is not produced in the champagne region of France. So, you know, there are sparkling wines that I love. I love Gruet, uh, which is made out of New Mexico. It's delicious. You can get it pretty much anywhere here in the States. It runs between like 13 and between 13 and 18 bucks a bottle. Um, it is a beautiful sparkling wine. The winemaker um, is is from France, and but they're doing amazing things out of New Mexico of all places. Um, but it's a great kind of domestic sparkling wine that you can get at a really good, really great price point. Uh, but when it comes to champagne, I love it. I drink it. I drink a bottle every week. Something that I have is going to be a bottle of champagne. Um, my favorite pairing with champagne, it might shock you, is Publix fried chicken and champagne. Not uh, at all. <laughs> I love fried chicken. That's been the general yeah, consensus. I love fried chicken and champagne. I love potato chips, Lay's potato chips. The plain, the regular mm. ones with with a bottle of champagne yes. is is delicious. Popcorn and champagne. It's that salty, that fat that goes that yep. pairs so beautifully with the acidity. And, and the fruit and the bubbles, the bubbles are going to help cut through some of that fat. It is just, it is just fantastic. And, you know, when I'm feeling a little, when I'm feeling a little she-she, I will do some oysters on a half shell with some champagne. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, and I'm just like, I'm thoroughly convinced that I need to just be on a, a campaign <laughs> to make people understand that champagne should be like it's drinkable anytime, anytime. Stop it doesn't have to be safe for a special occasions. occasion yes go ahead and get you a bucket of chicken yes. somewhere and sit down like just really yes. it's okay and if you're gonna do Popeye's fried chicken is- which has a little spice get yourself a demi sec which is a little sweeter um so mm. it will help to combat some of that some of that spice if you have a spicier palate um, but champagne, you know, for so long, it's been that thing that you use to celebrate stuff. Well, you know what you woke up today. So let's celebrate that. Celebrate. Treat, treat yourself, yourself to a bottle of is, bubbles. Treat, treat yourself. And you know, it, it'll be amazing. Like have some yeah, on hand. Always, you should Just always on have like you do everything else in your house. Always. In your house. Always, always, always. I just. And if you. That is, and like, I didn't grow up with like wine Mm -hmm. in our house. And it's, I mean, I think that's fairly common for like most African-American households not to have wine in the house. And so like talking to people, I'm like, you know, that was always my first question. I'm like, did your family ever have like a wine, you know, have a wine collection in your house? Like even just if it was a few bottles and most people were just like, no. And it's really like the narrative around, you know, wine being kind of elitist. And I was just like, but 
it's a product of like a very specific style of farming and like agriculture. So there's like to kind of add that kind of elitism to the conversation to deter people from it has always been really sad for me. And I'm just like, wine should be part of the general discourse for black families. Like you should be able to like have memories of your aunts and uncles and your parents, you know, sitting around at dinner time having a bottle of wine or having a glass of wine. And it's just rare that that is a part of just black culture in the United States specifically. Yeah. So I'm just like, the more I can get people to like kind of normalize it right. for themselves. So like their own kids can grow up with, Oh yeah, my parents used to drink wine and, you know, and not, and, you know, kind of cut the curve Absolutely. a little bit. Like, so as you know, more kids get into the world and they graduate from college, they're like, you know, they don't have the same experiences we had where it's like, what is, okay, well, um, I think you're I know right. enough to not order anything right. crazy, but I wish I had a better command and confidence around the wine list at a restaurant. Right. So I absolutely am like, if you hear a recommendation on something, like write it down, yeah. get the bottle in your house, just drink try it. it. I mean, and, and I, it, I tell people sometimes I'm like, it's just wine. Like it's, it's, it's literally, yeah, it's just, just wine, wine in a bottle. Like it's not that crazy. And if, you know, for folks that want to learn more about champagne and sparkling wines and cavas, I would say to follow, um, uh, the bubbleista on Instagram. She is amazing. Yep. Knows everything sparkling wine. Um, and also follow Julia Coney, who is studying for, um, uh, she's in the process of doing champagne studies, um, and that is champagne is her thing. And she knows a ton about it and knows some amazing producers. Um, so I would follow those two people if you want to know about, about bubbles. Um, and it, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where champagne, there's so many people that don't, that say they don't like it. I'm like, that's cause you haven't had real champagne. In my head, I'm Let like, that's because you drinking some some sparkling wine that they want to call champagne at a wedding, or you're out somewhere and you get champagne by the glass that's like eight bucks. That's not champagne because you can't get champagne by the glass for eight dollars. Just the price point doesn't know. make sense, right? Um, so you're really not drinking champagne. You know, it's something that yes, you will have to pay for but it will be some of the best wine that you've ever tasted. Um, so I tell people, don't, don't poo-poo it until you know that you've really had it. Um, and then, you know, sometimes if you have it and you're, you're not a fan, there are so many champagne houses that you can, you know, that you can experiment with. And some people are just like, yeah, it's really not my bag. And I'm like, okay, well, what you been drinking? Okay. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I can't help. I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm going to just judge you. It's all right. What you've been drinking. I'm gonna judge you for that. I know you don't want me to, but I am. I have to. Judge you a little bit. It was. It's the same judgment I give people when they're like, I don't like wine. I'm like, do you know how much wine there is in the world for you to make such an asinine statement? Have you had all the wine? That's like people that are like, I don't well, really, no. I'm not, I don't like Chardonnay. I don't really. And I'm like, well, what Chardonnay have you had? I'm like, you don't get out of here. Like, maybe you okay. don't oh, like. So you're drinking right. garbage. Like, well, maybe you don't like big buttery oaky Chardonnay, which is typically a California style Chardonnay. I'm like, so how about we go to the old world? How about we try some, you know, how about we try some white burgundy? Like, how about we try some of that? Okay. And then tell me, there's so many different styles of it that to make a blanket statement like that. You're just kind of like, well, have you had all of them? You know, 
Right. And I'm like, there's just there's too many so options in the world options. for you to be like, okay, I don't yeah. like none of it. I'm there's like, okay, so, you there's it. so like, many options. On. So this is not, not that mm-mm, you'll find something. Yeah. Keep trying. So look, I mean, okay. So now we got, uh, look yeah. at this, us with the two hours. <laughs> Bless my life. So <laughs> in conclusion, <laughs> now for like this, these last yes, moments, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me, let us know like how we can support um, what, you know, who to follow, where yeah. to follow, what, you know, what kind of, what, what can we expect after the world has like taken the chastity <laughs> belt off and we can go back outside. I love that. Um, and we are allowed to be outdoors again. Um, so yeah, just let us, let the people know like how we can support what you're doing and, um, uh, continue to amplify your platform and then how, uh, what we can expect, uh, in yeah, the future. So, um, I would say, you know, if you have a moment, check out our podcast, um, the color of wine and it is on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Google play. Um, so you can find us there. We've been doing this for three years. So there should be something, you know, that we have some interview that kind of sparks you. Um, and like I said, we have over 70 that we've done all with people of color in the wine industry. Um, so yeah, check us out, um, on those platforms to listen and, you know, follow us on social media at the color of wine on Instagram. Um, that's where we, we do all of our coming soons and where we release all of our, all of our podcasts. Um, and then I would say, you know, to help support us is to support our guests, you know, support people of color in the wine industry, support your black winemakers. You know, they, we are out there. There are so many lists um, right now that are out there. With- okay. Cause black people are yeah, popular right, right now, guys. In case you didn't we're, know, black people are yeah, in we're again. In. We're in um, again. So there's so many lists of, uh, black winemakers, um, black, uh, owned wine stores, uh, black influencers when it comes to wine. Um, and you know, just folks that are really doing things in the wine industry to impact change. Um, and to impart change um, on the industry, which is which has typically been very white and very male. Um, so I would say, you know, check out our pages on social media. I, some people to follow that I will tell you right now that are really doing some serious business with respect to the wine industry uh, would be Julia Coney. And she is at Julia Coney. Um, also, uh, Larissa DuBose, who is a wine educator. She is at The Lotus and the Vines. Um, on social media. Also, uh, Shakira Jones, who is at Black Girls Dine 2. Um, and also uh, Tahira Habibi, who is at Hugh Society and at Sipping Socialite. Um, they're really doing some amazing, amazing, amazing things in the wine industry to, um, to elevate our voices um, at this time. But again, none of them are new to this industry. They've been doing what they've been doing for a while. Um, and it's, it's all been impactful, thoughtful change and content that they've been putting out there. Um, so, you know, check us all out and you can find other people through, through those pages, um, of folks to follow. And, you know, I think that's, to me, that's the best way to support, the color of wine is if you listen to an episode, follow the person that we interviewed, um, see what they're doing in the space. Uh, we interviewed the first Mexican American master of wine, 
Um, and he is, he is absolutely fantastic. His name is Martin Reyes and he's doing amazing things in this industry. You know, we interviewed the first black master sommelier, Thomas Price, doing amazing things in this industry. So if you find an episode that you connect with, you know, turn around and follow those folks and support them. Um, that is the best way to support the color of wine. You know, the people that I've mentioned earlier, as far as, you know, folks that are actually making an impact on this industry, follow them, support them, watch what they're doing, support their businesses. That's how you then turn around and support us. Um, you know, coming up, we are working on our next series. Um, we had to take a little time off. I needed to take some time off. Um, my my fire burned out, and you I know, so I had to to wait for that spark to see if that spark was going to be just a spark or if it was going to ignite the flame again. Um, and my flame has been ignited, so. Uh, we are working on uh, kind of our next series and it's going to be pretty dope. It's going to be a little different. Um, the format that we're going to be using is going to be a little different. The format of the show, we will still have amazing guests, but the format is going to be a little bit different. We're really trying to highlight the gifts that our guests have um, and have been mm. blessed with. So, the format may look a little different, but we will still be providing, you know, a platform for our stories to be told. So that's what's coming up for us. And I, I would say to kind of look for some of that in the fall. Um, we've got another little special series that we're working on in between kind of what we're doing right now. We're finishing up a series that we did on innovation, technology, and hope where we went back and talked to some of our guests from previous seasons just to see how they were coping through this um, this COVID-19 crisis and kind of where we are. So all of it was recorded probably prior to the first week of May. So we're, we're putting a disclaimer out on gotcha. that too, because it was recorded, or the stuff was right. recorded earlier in the spring, but um, the episodes were. So we're doing that and we should finish up with that within probably around the second week of July. Um, and then we've got another little short special series that we want to do just around what has been happening with um, new platforms and new organizations that have come about, um, maybe that were being thought of prior to everything that has been going on in this country and things that have come up because of everything that has been going on um, in this country. So we'll have a couple of new episodes just to see what's happening from the perspective of different platforms that have come up regarding scholarships and education um, uh, and how people are supporting uh, black folks and indigenous people and people of color in the wine industry. So we'll have that kind of happen um, sometime this summer. And then we'll come out with our new, our new series is what we're now calling them probably closer to September. So we've got a lot on the horizon, a lot of things that we're working on, uh, but just trying to stay true to our mission of providing a platform for our stories to be told. Wonderful, ladies and gentlemen. I don't. I don't really give too many choices. What you need to go do is listen to an episode. She was being very diplomatic. I don't have to be. 
So do yourself a favor. Don't act like you know everything and like pretend that you have no interest in these stories and like, oh, I don't really listen to podcasts. Like, no, just go listen to one. Just stop that. We're not doing that this year. Um, wear a mask, listen to a podcast. Like that's really all you really need to do right now. The only requirements. So thank you. So thank you again so much for hanging out with me for so, I mean, look, I'm happy to take two hours and I'm like, and I rarely edit these down. I'm like, look, sit down and listen to some conversation for a couple hours and enjoy yourself where you got to go. There's nothing open. Or really shouldn't right. be. Stop it. Like, this is your chance. This is your opportunity. Uh, make sure, you know, make sure you guys are spending coins um, with a lot of these yes. winemakers and a lot of these black-owned yes. brands, please. Um, you know, the keep make sure that they're in business when all of this is over. And, um, you know, and pay attention to what's yeah. going on. Like, you know, watch watch out for each other and pay attention to what's happening with one another. Like, and even if you're not a wine drinker, look, people in your life like exactly. gifts. Somebody you know likes wine stop playing um so yeah so you know part of you know part of this is definitely hearing our stories and elevating those and celebrating them and getting them in front of other people the other part of this is commerce and with you know people need money in order to grow and so where you see an opportunity to uh throw some coinage somewhere um please do so like i said y'all got them uh y'all got that bumping unemployment you're making more money in unemployment than you did in your job and nobody's here to judge because i am too but go ahead and take them extra coins and put them someplace useful <laughs> anyway Absolutely. so I, I i appreciate you so much thank you so much for hanging out um i am you know this season has been like the first season kind of blew my mind i was just like wow all these people i've talked to all these women i've connected with has just been so incredible and this particular time around because we are in such unique circumstances it's just the level of community that i've gotten each time i have a new mm-hmm. interview has been um has just been like yeah. nourishing and it's been fantastic. Yeah. So I just thank you again for your work and for elevating all of these voices and these stories. Um, and like, I'm encouraged that I'm not the only one out here thinking about my, uh, about my situation. In this yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not alone are, in my madness. Here. You are not um, by yourself. So I was just like, oh, Lord, somebody else must be like, I'm like, y'all just putting these things up willy nilly, not even thinking about what they sound like. Apparently, I'm over here obsessing about it. Girl, you um, are so, not Yes. Yeah, so I'll know the next time I'm up here losing sleep over something. Now I will remember that you are likely somewhere doing thank the same. You, yes. And I will appreciate yes. it. So, yes, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you for, um, for having me. I am I am super honored. Um, I have been following you since you started. Um, and Afros and Knives. And I am super proud of you and what you are doing in this space. Um, so thank you so much for reaching out to me and and thank you for having me as your guest. I am truly appreciative and, and very, very humbled. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Let me hit this stop button. They're going to sit here and say thank for this week's episode. Thank you to our guests for spending some time with us and thank you for listening in and for being a part of the Flyers Clicking Podcasting. If you love these conversations, be sure to download, subscribe, comment, and share. You can get further connected with the Afros and Knives community by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And don't forget to visit our website, afrosandknives.com and sign up for our newsletter. 
Afros and Knives does this work only with the financial support of our Patreon community. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com backslash Afros and Knives and pledge your monthly support. We are working on expanding into video as well as offering patron-only content this year. You don't want to miss out. Until next week, may you be happy, may you be safe, may you be healthy, may you be at peace.